How to use a data-driven content strategy to drive customers via organic search with Kevin Gibbons. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How can you be more laser-targeted in attracting the right audience from organic search? That's what we're covering today with a man who founded his first digital marketing agency back in 2006. He's the founder and CEO at specialist e-commerce SEO agency ReSignal. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Kevin Gibbons. Hi, David. Great to be here. Good to have you here, Kevin. Well, you can find Kevin over at ReSignal.com. So, Kevin, why does it all start with understanding your audience? I think for me, I've always found the way that I look at SEO is from a through a business lens. If I've run an agency, like you say, since 2006. So I think I naturally look at this from the perspective of running a business and being an entrepreneur, if you like, in the sense of where you spend money is to grow. And I, for me, it's understanding your customer. So understanding the audience that you have. Understanding the business model, I would say, is actually the first challenge because quite often before you go into to SEO, you can you can do SEO without understanding the business model. And you could look at um, how do you get more traffic to a, a brand, um, for example. But I feel like someone is going to come along at some point and just ask, so what? And for me, I always start with a so what question. So what is the business model? What is the... Um, the customer that you're looking to serve. And the more that you can understand how that operates, how a brand um, values and prioritizes their business objectives and goals, uh, that, that may not be revenue, but quite often it is. Um, I think you you then understand their kind of like, okay, well, this is what they're targeting. This is what they're what works for them. This is what they want more of. And then you would go into kind of like the different types of customers and product offerings, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think it very much starts with understanding that business model in the first place, because if you can get your head around, this is how that business operates and the priorities and decision-making behind it, it's then much easier to help turn it into a strategy to to grow against those objectives. So as an enterprise marketer, truly understand your business model, first of all, then move on to, you, you You mentioned the customer, understanding who the customer is. So uh, how do you actually find out? How, how do you define who your audience is? Is it um, more qualitative, um, uh, a more qualitative approach? Do you actually have to have conversations with people? Is there software that you can use to do this? There's different ways of doing it. And I think to a certain extent, quite a lot of, certainly if you're talking about enterprise brands, Brands will have personas and target customers that they are aware of and they're looking to attract more of. And I, I would certainly say that's that's useful to a certain extent in terms of understanding who these people are, what are the common trends. Um, but that said, from a search perspective, I think quite a lot of this is more data-led. Um, certainly when you're thinking about search and organic search in particular, I think you these days, it's not quite so easy as it was in the past to get kind of raw keyword data on conversions, for example. But equally, it's still possible to understand what type of content works for you, what the engagement rate is, what the conversion rate is, offers specific pages, 
how well does that work with other channels such as paid search and tracing that back to really understanding um, at a product level what type of products are converting at a keyword or a topic level what is it that people are searching for um, and then building that into more of your strategy so again like from a customer perspective you could then overlay that with um, demographic targeting certainly again like Page search is a good example of that in terms of uh, the audience that you're trying to reach, maybe retarget to, etc. So the more that you have in mind, this is your sweet spot of customers, certainly from a geographical perspective, but potentially from a age range, it could be many different demographics. But I think from, from SEO, I wouldn't say you particularly look at that into too much depth. It's probably more understanding who it is you're looking to to target and what they'd be searching for. So it's not like paid advertising. You obviously have more targeted options on who you can filter in and out. With SEO, it's more based on the keywords and the trends that people are searching for. So I think understanding that customer is very helpful. But essentially what you want to get down to is what are the keywords, topics, and pages that are going to drive you um, customers at different stages of the funnel, of course. So not everyone is going to be a one click, one purchase kind of visit. It's, it's likely to be a longer trend and more omnichannel in terms of multiple touch points. But that said, SEO plays a big role in both the kind of awareness and attraction in the early stages through to the consideration and conversion kind of towards the latter stages. So, uh, so yeah, the, the more that you can identify with that customer, their different goals and objectives at different stages of that customer journey the more likely you are to then put yourself in their shoes when you're thinking about content strategy. Understood. Okay. Uh, And just big picture, I'm just trying to summarize what you've shared, and that is starting with an understanding of the business to begin with. And that also includes an understanding of the product and then building personas that, that map to the product and then researching keywords or brainstorming keywords initially and then researching keywords to map back to the persona. Is, is, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And and there'll be a lot of data that you have already behind that, certainly within your own analytics. And um, unless you're a startup that hasn't operated until today, um, there's a, a good chance you'll have a gold mine worth of data around what has worked for you in the past and what hasn't worked. And equally, there might be some some tools on the market that you can um, help to understand what that looks like in terms of the competitor landscape as well. So I think it's it's really at that stage trying to take in as much information as you can, but equally you then want to focus that as you start to narrow down in terms of your strategy and prioritising by value. So you also mentioned different stages of the customer journey. Um, so that makes me think about demand levels um, that different keywords have. So how do you actually identify some kind of level or likely level of demand of immediate intent based upon an individual keyword phrase? Some of it has to be trial and error because no one has all of the answers in a research phase. It has some, sometimes it's a controlled experiment in the same way that I, I did quite a lot of Google ads kind of probably about 10 years ago and definitely out of touch these days and much more focused on SEO. But I think just having that background of this is how paid search works has really helped to sharpen how you can look at SEO from a return on investment perspective. And I think there's a lot there that you can, you can kind of 
get to understand quicker if you have paid search data, for example. Obviously, you might have organic data as well, which is great. But let's say you had some theories that people will search for this group of 10 keywords. And when they land there, they're going to turn into customers. Um, that sounds like a great theory. But until you're ranking and they top five, top three in Google, where you're getting significant traffic for those terms, it's really difficult to know if that theory is a reality. And you don't really want to be waiting six to 12 months, potentially longer, to test that theory. So I would say, actually, in the early stages, use Google Ads and understand, actually, what are the conversion rates behind that? And, and equally, not all content is created equally in the sense of it has different purposes. If your purpose is awareness, you shouldn't really be judging that on the direct conversion rate that comes off of that. If someone's reading um, an article about how to run a marathon, for example, which is a topic because I'm just about to run a marathon in three weeks, I should probably read that article myself right now. <laughs> um, but I think if you were... Um, going to read that article to then say, oh, well, they didn't buy a pair of trainers and a running top and a pair of socks and something for their sister and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a failure. You're judging that the wrong way. Whereas actually, if you said, okay, well, that was a top of funnel visit of which they subscribed to our newsletter, or it might just simply be they viewed that page, they liked it, they viewed another one, they came back a week later. And they still might not have purchased a product. And I think it's very much understanding how that content serves a purpose at different stages. So having micro goals, for example, like an email sign-up catcher could potentially be successful if you can then say, okay, well, we're building the top of funnel and then we're passing people through that. So I think it's it's very much understanding what purpose that content serves, but equally going back to the point around testing and learning you can fast track that experiment by using Google Ads. So if you want to generate a hundred or a thousand clicks and understand what the conversion rate is and how well potential customers are going to convert with that landing page or um, the keyword that it's visited from, then yeah, fast track it through Google Ads. And if it's working well for you, then try and build some SEO strength and authority around that topic and rank for it organically as well. But yeah, certainly I think it's it's a better and a stronger business case if you can say we've spent X amount. It could be low hundreds. It, it doesn't have to be massive money, but there's an experiment here that shows we make X amount per visit on this page. If it generates a positive ROI from paid ads, certainly there's a, a very strong case that you should continue doing that anyway because it's profitable. Um, but equally from an SEO perspective, then look at, okay, this is how much effort we think it would take to secure those rankings for these terms. That's how much traffic we would expect to get off the back of that as a forecast. And based on our experiments of the conversion rate, average order value, et cetera, this is how much that equivalent amount of traffic would be worth in potential revenue. And I think if you can go to a business with that case and say, this is what we're doing, certainly there's much more chance you'll get the buy-in to do the SEO. And when you then secure those rankings on page one of Google, you're then much more confident that it's going to convert into customers once people hit that landing page. And like I say, some I've, I've certainly seen this in analytics a lot where you might target a high volume search phrase, but 
it does absolutely nothing for you. It's got like a 98% bounce rate and no one ever buys anything. And from that perspective, actually, is that content serving you beyond looking quite nice in an analytics report? Possibly not. So um, certainly if you're you're spending a lot of time and effort to achieve that outcome, it it's probably not the best use of your time, effort, budget. So, um, so yeah, I think it's very much fast-tracking that experiment in the early days. Having some experiments, not everything's going to work either. You don't need to try and prove a case for absolutely everything and you want it to be a fair test. If the, if the conclusion from this experiment is it's not worth it, then don't do it. Uh, I think that's, that's actually an important thing. It's like you don't want to predefine what you want to do early on. You want the experiments to lead what's the best use of your time in terms of that effort versus reward. It's a great point. And it's so important to get paid search and SEO teams to work more closely together. I think in larger organisations, it's often the case where there are large departments of SEOs and paid search often never speaking to each other. And the points that you've highlighted, especially giving SEOs an opportunity to test hypotheses of whether or not keywords are likely to be valuable to a business with paid search teams. And there are many other activities that um, they can assist each other with, perhaps with closer alignment with brand phraseology, and also with other keywords that are perhaps ranking number one on organic search. Perhaps there's an opportunity to experiment with testing reducing or taking out expenditure and paid search there as well. So, so many ways to work together. But I'll tell you what, let's dive into the specifics of um, one of your successes. So one of your clients, ASICs, uh, you increased their average organic revenue by 122%. So how did you go about doing that? So it was very much by prioritising by value. So as a case study of this um, success on our website, so resignal.com. And what we did is, and this is um, going back to the very early days, so we've been working together for four years now. Um, we we understood the essentially what we've just said. We understood the business model. How do they make money? Where do they make the most amount of money? What are the most popular products? And I think um, you'll find that quite often for e-commerce brands and retailers, there's a bit of an 80-20 rule behind 20% of the uh, the volume, the traffic, the products, whichever way you want to look at it will generate 80% of the revenue. And it's very similar in this case. And I think ASICs are, it's no secret that ASICs are very popular in running and specifically trainers. And for us, we focused around how do we make sure that they have the best content possible across that journey for, I'd say, kind of certainly for semi-experienced, like amateur runners through to athletes and um if we were creating content for them let's make sure that across that journey you can find an ASICS piece of content that will help you to decide which running trainer is the best fit for you and um yeah so that was done internationally so i think this is across um 12 different countries i think it's 11 different languages and uh, across europe and the way that we approached it was to look at those stages that we've mentioned, so awareness, consideration, conversion, and then prioritise by value. So working backwards from a conversion perspective, how well do they rank for the core terms? So one thing that I found quite often is um, brands quite often don't always rank for their own brand terms. And that sounds a bit crazy when you think about it. Quite often, and I think this can be an SEO mistake, 
you can think that, oh, that's our brand. We won't even track those keywords. But if you're ranking number four for one of your most popular products, then that's probably the biggest goldmine you have in terms of conversions. So for example, in this case, um, not just using assets, but kind of any retailer is a, a positive example of um, they leverage marketplaces. So quite often a product that a retailer sells could be listed on Amazon, uh, could be on eBay, it could be on, in Argos, John Lewis, et cetera, et cetera. And there's perfectly legitimate business reasons why you would have third-party retailers selling your product. So that makes perfect sense for a distribution business perspective. From an SEO perspective, you want them to sell your products. That's why they're listed, but you want to be the number one and you'd want those to be the number two, number three. So one of the earlier things we did is trying to ensure that if you're searching for an Asex Gelkeano running trainer, for example, um, we have the best landing page around that content. We are the brand that have produced that product and from an authority perspective, have a perfectly good reasoning as to why we should be number one in Google, but it's also convincing Google that that product should be number one. So ensuring that all of those products are are ranking for those brand terms, I think is really important. Um, there's actually a brand that I worked with, this is going back over 10 years ago, um, Mila. And I remember looking at their um, analytics and it's the same type of thing where they had um, traffic that was coming through that they were ranking for had a space within the keywords or the, the way their products were optimized had a space within the, the product naming structure. So it's like different numbers and letters and um, the way that people were searching didn't include those spaces. So I found that was very interesting that actually once we changed the naming structure on the website, we started to rank number one ahead of, in that case, it was kind of the likes of John Lewis and Argos. Um, and we captured a lot more traffic and grew significantly as a result of that. So I think the first step being let's rank for brand terms is really important. And then, yeah, there's there's obviously separate steps I'm happy to go into in terms of um yeah, the, the consideration and then the awareness top of funnel, but it is very much trying to work backwards. What are your top converting keywords as the most important question? And if you can take that and if you can improve that traffic, even by say 20% in terms of the traffic that's coming through for your top converting keywords, that's a lot of potential extra revenue that is coming through the site. So that certainly is what I would consider I don't really like the phrase, but kind of like the low hanging fruit. So if you're, if you're trying to prioritize your efforts around what's going to work and what's going to pay off from a business perspective early on, it sounds crazy not to start with your most, your, your top converting products and keywords. There's one element that I'd just like to delve into in a little bit more depth. So you obviously did a great job at understanding the business, at under, understanding who the customer was, at understanding what you wanted to achieve, what the goals were, um, ideally where you wanted to be in X number of months or years time. How did you break down the milestones from that end point and how did you keep them on board um, to demonstrate that you were on the right path? I'm thinking that this will also uh, be useful information for internal marketers, you know, marketers in big organisations that actually have to keep decision makers um, 
corporate executives on boards with what they're trying to achieve over the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it, if you think about demystifying SEO for a little bit, SEO is not this black box, dark, dark art, et cetera, et cetera, cliche, cliche in terms of like um, the way that it's approached. And it equally, it's not a leap of faith. It's not, let's just do this and see how it works in two years. And if it's paid off, then great. And if it hasn't, then let's bin it. Um, it's got to be very much, let's set expectations. And I would absolutely advocate, let's have a long-term ambition of where we want to get to. But you have to break that down into milestones to say, this is how we're going to show you a short-term impact. This is where we expect to be in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, and kind of working backwards. And, and equally, some things might take longer than 12 months. It's funny how every forecast is for 12 months, but some <laughs> of the objectives really are going to take longer than that in terms of, of what you're you're trying to achieve, the competitors that you're trying to catch, the level of effort required to to catch them and get to that point. So I think it's it's really important and crucial to see what you can expect to, to achieve. I think pay attention to competitors in order to understand the size of the market, because if you're, like in SEO, you're always kind of one of two things. You're either number one or you're trying to catch someone. And I think there's different tactics if you're in either of those positions. I think if you're number one, potentially you're in a maintenance but you need to keep reinventing yourself and improving and creating quality content that engages with an audience to maintain that place but if you're number 10 it's kind of a game of actually how do we get to number nine how do we get to number eight but again like the one thing i would counter that with is don't get too carried away about the competition either understand what section of the market you want so if you're let's use asics as an example ASICs will have Amazon as a competitor in the same way that most retailers and e-commerce stores online will have Amazon as a competitor. So, But you don't care about Amazon overall as a brand and their whole visibility. You care about their organic visibility for running trainers, specifically the ASICs terms and the non-branded terms. So if they're searching for Nike, Adidas, etc., that's not something that as a sports retailer, you would expect, if, you, if you're a specific brand, you would expect to capture search traffic for. So understand that segment of the market that you want to capture, and then you can build expectations around it. So here's a forecast of where we are today. This is what we think as a kind of optimistic versus realistic forecast so that you can see kind of a couple of scenarios if things go very well versus if you think you've had potentially a good year. You might even, if you're more pessimistic in nature, you might want to go down a pessimistic route as well, depending on who you're you're selling that into. Um, but equally, you want to be able to show what you can achieve, um, what's possible, what's possible potentially with different budgets as well, so that you can understand how that works. But yeah, very much it's understanding kind of where you are now, where you can get to, and what that looks like as key milestones along the journey. I think one thing that's interesting within SEO is the results from a business perspective won't always kick in immediately. And the results from an SEO perspective may be sooner than that. So it's kind of showing that progress. We've got onto page two of Google. That's a significant result because three weeks ago we were on page eight. That's really good. You should celebrate those successes, but equally, you know that if you're going to take that to the board of your client, 
they're not going to care because you're not making the money yet. So it's, it's trying to show them there's progress. This is where we're getting to. We're on track. Stick with it. Give them that confidence that what we're doing is going in the right direction. But equally understand that there's still a journey that you're on and there's a bit further that you need to take it to certainly tip it over to the Agile page one. And again, like I, I wouldn't particularly look at that as a keyword level. It's kind of more across the board, where are you getting to? Um, and then the revenue will follow, but it's, it's trying to show that those kind of rankings turns into traffic and then traffic turns into revenue. And if you can show that along the different stages, then it certainly helps. But yeah, set some clear expectations from the start. So let's move on to thinking about more general challenge, challenges or the, the bigger picture. So what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? Actually, like being business focused around what you're doing is really important. And what we were saying earlier around like the different stages of the, the funnel, again, is crucial. I think one of the things we put quite a bit of time in is understanding the retail sector. So for us, we specialize largely in e-commerce brands um, and we've produced a e-commerce report. And I did a, a video interview earlier in the summer with the head of retail at KPMG. And we looked at the um, economic results over the last two years. So post-COVID, I, I spoke to him two years ago. So it's kind of a refresher on where we got to um, and what's happened, because obviously a lot has changed. And it's also looking at what that means moving forward. So moving forward from a retail perspective, we're expecting a recession. Um, we are seeing quite a lot of uh, an impact from a geopolitical perspective in terms of inflation, the energy crisis. Um, I think from an inflation perspective for businesses in general, but certainly for retailers, they're finding there's supply chain issues, there's price increases, there's changes in the strength of the pound, et cetera, that means they're getting squeezed in terms of how much buying power they have or how profitable that would be. Equally, from a um, consumer perspective, people are also tighter with their spend in terms of um, they're, they're more pr price conscious in terms of what they're buying. So they might be looking to, um, I think one analogy used is like you, you might shop at the same supermarket, but rather than buying the premium products, you might buy more of the value items now. It's like stuff like that where people are a bit more conscious on the spend. So they're still spending money to a certain extent but less of it, or they're looking, they're more conscious about their spending. And I think from a e-commerce perspective, it's understanding what are those customers thinking? How does that relate to the business that you're working with? And how do you make sure that again, you're capturing the demand that may be changing and shifting. Maybe people are searching less so for luxury items, for example, and more for cheap or value items. Um, so understanding, again, how that search demand is shifting uh, on a temporary basis as opposed to the overall trends, I think, is is really useful. Um, equally, I think there's a lot around how retailers have changed. So quite a lot of retailers now, having had stores shut in and out of lockdowns during, uh, yeah, kind of 2020 and 2021, are now in a new position where they may have closed down stores. But I think what we're finding is the brands that are really winning are potentially those that are more hybrid and they have stores maybe in key destinations and cities. They have a strong brand presence. They invest in that brand 
And from an organic search perspective, they're also performing very well because they have um, that brand strength that helps them to rank not just for the branded terms, but as a knock-on effect for for non-branded as well. So I think just understanding a little bit about the market trends, the economy, and what that means potentially um, in terms of the impact is really important because otherwise you could be ranking exactly the same as you were last year. You could be getting exactly the same amount of traffic as you were last year, but maybe your messaging is slightly off towards your customers because the environment around you has changed. So I think those are really important um, in order to factor in what you're doing. And again, like I say, the, the demand in terms of what people are searching for product-wise may have shifted as well. So if it has, be aware of how that shifted and make sure that you're jumping on that from a content perspective to capture a potentially new wave of topics or keywords that people are looking to, to find you for. What's to think about? I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Kevin Gibbons over at resignal.com. Kevin, thanks so much for, for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for having me, David. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com. <laughs>